you for listening to this message from the North Gate. There's just something about praying over the land the last couple weeks. Oh, man, it just, it's been so juicy. Mama Tina went in there and, and started that up again to me. And uh, I just want to throw some things out there before we get started. Be careful what you say about family days, the festival. I'm talking to people on a live stream and here, if you badmouth it. It's a placeholder for what's to come. So we honor Chuck and his family. And I know things don't always go as he even hopes they do. And he, he works hard for that. So Chuck, probably not going to listen to this, but we honor you, brother. We honor your family. And all the previous generations that have tried to hold a family atmosphere intact. So I just I just thank that family for that. Man, I feel healing on this, I'm telling you. And I just, I just honor that man for his passion to bring this community together as a family. And I said, Chuck, you're... Your work will not be in vain. Your work, everything that you dream this thing will be will manifest. I'm telling you, when amphitheater comes, I'm seeing, the, I'm seeing these multiple things. There's going to be happy people, believe it or not, in this city everywhere. <laughs> Troublemakers are going to want to move out of this city because they can't stand how happy people are. Because they'll try to gossip and they're like, I don't want to hear that. I'm not participating. Yep. Gossip's not welcome here. He just said it. That's right. So the, the atmosphere would, will not be, at some point, it will not be conduent to gossip and backbiting and division because there's family days ahead. So don't dishonor Chuck and don't, and I'm not saying that you are. I'm just speaking it out to there in, in, in the atmosphere. But if you are, stop it. Amen, right? <laughs> Man, and I, I just... Usually on Monday prayer, but I was going into it tonight. There's just something about, you know how like we have that song, America the Beautiful. I know when I was a kid, they wanted that to be our anthem. And uh, I have mixed emotions about that. But but I just like almost feel like there's a point in worship tonight and she was singing. I, I wanted to sing that over Ohio. And I started to hear the Lord's voice like speak over Ohio. And I heard him just say things like, that I not clothe you with the majesty of harvest. You know, like the amber waves of grain, but it was, I saw cornfields. It wasn't grain, it was cornfields. And it was like the robe of Ohio is, is cornfields. And it's like, did I not put a river down through the middle of you? Did I not put a great river? And it's a river that runs all the way down to the to Mississippi Delta. The Ohio River runs all the way down there. Then I... I, I felt like he, he's, I just saw Lake Erie. It's a great lake, right? And, I, and I've been kind of getting pieces of this thing for a long time, but, but it was like, did I not crown you with greatness? And Lake Erie was a crown of greatness. How many states could say they're crowned by a great lake? Not many of them. And Ohio, you've been crowned with greatness. Man, I'm, t- oh, I feel it right now. He's like, Ohio, did I not choose you to be the heart of it all? That thing is real. That's not just a motto. That's not just a slogan. Did I not choose you to be the heart of it all? That makes a lot of sense why Columbus is the heartbeat of Gulliver. And Cincinnati is the place of reproduction. And Cleveland's the head. Why? Because it's crowned with greatness. So we got to watch our words. 
And I'm telling you right now, I'm just the beauty of where we're at. We just went to West Virginia to visit family. And we went to a very beautiful place called uh, Cooper's Rock, which, I mean, it's amazing. This view, this one section. But we always talk, uh, every time I go somewhere new, I just love Ohio even more. Even seeing the beauty of West Virginia, it's amazing. But I come back and I'm like, I still love Ohio. I love Ohio even more. It's just my heart's here. You know what I'm saying? I lived here my whole life, but I've got to experience a lot of places. But And I've seen the beauty everywhere we go. But there's just something about Ohio right now that I just want to sing over it. I want to bless it. And I just want to be thankful. Like I thank you that I'm right here right now. I don't know if any of you feel that. Anyways, back to the notes. I was praying about, I had some different things swirling. I think some of those are going to come out on Tuesday night. I've had some things swirling in me. So I'm like, all right, Lord, this is what's been swirling. And usually it's like how it works for me. I don't know if it works for you or and you guys the same way. But I usually know when I'm preaching. Sometimes I could figure it out. I'm not that smart, but sometimes I could figure it out because I'll be in devotion and I'll just be flooded, flooded with things. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just easy. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, hey, you're speaking. Great, I got it. I already know, you know what I mean? And I had a few of those things kind of already swirling, but when I leaned into it a little more, I want to I wanna tell a story. But before I do that, I want to um, go into just quick review of what Apostle said. So, Kevin, could we get Isaiah 62 up there? And I don't know if you have the passions. Do you have the passion? No, I didn't think so. I'm like, ah, oh, oh. I didn't, I didn't think about adding this in there until today, and I didn't have my Passions translation with me. So we'll just read it out of here, and I'll, I'll change some of the words. So this is just what Apostle, you remember when he was here on April 22nd, he said over us, speaking over the city and over the family, you shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land be any more termed desolate, but you shall be called Hesabah and land of Beulah, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Now the passions, where is it great? It talks about, um, I would, but I actually can't find my glasses. I brought them. But I wouldn't be able to see it anyways, because that that passions is like that. So I'll cut that out of the podcast for my own sake. (laughs) But the passions translation says, as he marries the land, so shall your builder sons marry you. So I want to talk as our pastor and our spiritual dad is in Canada ministering to a place that's already having a revival and he's pouring more fire on that thing, which is awesome if you watched last night. It was amazing. I want to talk to the sons and daughters of the house about the responsibility of us building the house. I didn't expect that quietness to come over the place responsibility I can't just show up and whine and self-pity no you can't no you can't I mean you can if you want to but you won't do it long here because you won't be you know you won't be happy here so we're happy people right Dakota <laughs> that's not a mean I'm really not trying to be mean so I went into I went to this encounter when Brad was here and it it, it makes me it's funny because the Lord messed with me with some weird stuff and it, and, and I kind of laughed like this is kind of cartoonish so if you want to laugh, you can laugh if you want to. But like this is this was a serious kind of encounter for me. 
that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, but when Brad and and Pastor Brackens was here, I went into an encounter. I was over here in this side of the room, and I go into this encounter. It was almost like so deep, it was like a translate. Like I go into this, I'm not paying attention to anything going around me, and I see a honeycomb covered in honey. So, you know, any Thompson in the planet, and I'm not related to Apostle, but I guess that side of the Thompson family has a sweet tooth as well. Wasn't just my side, okay? Even though we're unrelated, both sides of the family have a sweet tooth. So when I see honey in this in this encounter, I'm just going, like, woo! Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, heavenly Swiss roll, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm getting ready to go after this thing. So I see this, and they sell those a man away at the coffee shop, heavenly rolls. They're like, if a, if a Swiss roll, you know what I'm talking about? If they got raptured and went to heaven and came back to earth, it's called a heavenly roll, and they sell it down at that Route 44 Coffee. Is that what it's called? Go check those out and check them out on Facebook and like their page or subscribe or something, whatever they do. But I'm going in there, and I see this honey. So me in the dream, I played myself, obviously. It's like Will Ferrell. I can't get out of, like, who I am. So I'm in the dream, and I'm like, look at this honey. And I'm like, whoo. And I'm like, man, I'm going to devour this. And I see this honey, man, and I'm like jumping up the honey and I'm grabbing it. And it was like on loop. And then all of a sudden it like rewinded and I'd be back. And I'm like, I'm going to devour this. And I'm like going in again. And then it rewinded back. After like the third time, I'm like, okay. And then I, I noticed there's a little bee here. And I'm like, I'm going to devour it. And I went to go devour it. And I see this bee looking at me like, what's up? And I was like, oh, this ain't right, huh? Probably shouldn't do this in front of the bee. He made it. I started getting these weird, I, mean, I told you, I, God speaks to me in weird ways, amen? So, like, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, I want to devour it. I'm like, oh, that's probably not right. I'm going to, shoot. Then I look at the bee, and, and then everything shifts, and it goes face-to-face with this, this honeybee. And he looks at me, and he's, he's not moving his lips or anything. He's just, you know, speaking to me, mind to mind. And he says, thank you for not devouring my life's work. Thank you for not devouring my life's work. And I was like, I felt pretty bad, honestly, in the encounter. I was like, man, I was getting ready to eat this thing up, like devour this thing. It would have been nothing left. Remember that. There would have been nothing left if I would have went and devoured it. And I was instantly in my mind, there was an article I read a few weeks ago because it just, it just it popped up in Facebook, but it stuck out because of what Apostle said about honey when he came here, right? Talked about where the honeycomb and different things and, um, and instantly, I remember this one part of the article that jumped out and it said, it, it takes a bee's entire life, it's like 40 days or something like that, to make one tea, teaspoon of honey. So I'm sitting there like, this bee spent its entire life to make this little thing of honey. And then so I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I'm sorry, kind of, I'm convicted, like, forgive me, Lord, you know? And um, the bee looks up at me and he says, if you want my honey, all you have to do is ask. And I looked at him and I said, you mean you actually give me your honey? You give me your life's work? He said, I find delight in the fact that you delight in my life's work. So I'd be willing, I'd be delighted for you to have some. And I was like, what? So he takes his like little bee parlay, whatever that thing is, and he dips it in honey and he touches the tip of my right finger. Like, it, you could barely even see this little drop of honey. So I take it, and I touch it to my tongue. And when I touch it to my tongue, it explodes throughout my entire being. Like, it was like the, you know how you have, like, something real sweet, and the richness kind of permeates your mouth, you know what I mean? 
I had that feeling, but it was like an explosion went off of my entire being. That honey, in honor, through honor, the bee willingly giving me the honey, me in honoring, delighting in it, and him delighting that I delighted in it, expanded and exploded my entire being with sweetness. And I had the strongest sense of beauty. Like I was filled with beauty. And I knew, I, you know, how I many you have an encounter where nothing's said to you, just know? So I had this, this revealing, this understanding that this is how we build. I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. We're building with honey. We're building with beauty. Like this strong sense of beauty. This is how we build. And as I lean into it, it's like the Lord wants us to build with beauty. And I'm like, I understand building with hammers and nails, okay? I'm not, I can't do any of that, but straight or evenly, you know? But, but, I, but I understand it. How do you build with beauty? And then I began to see these tiles. They reminded me of floor tiles, but they're really big, and they were the shape of a honeycomb, like Pastor used to have here, like that five, I think it's five-sided shape. And I saw a man take this thing, like it was a tile, a floor tile, and take it, and he, he just kind of threw it. And he was laying it up against another honeycomb tile. And then I saw another one come, and I saw another one. Next thing you know, I saw a honeycomb, a whole colony begin to form. And I was like... What is going on? And it hit me. Each one was coming, laying down their life's work. They were taking their honey and their honeycomb, the structures that they've built, and the, the honey is the sweetness of their life's work. And they take it, and they were willingly, freefully joining it to other people so an entire colony honeycomb could be created. And I'm like, this is how we build. It reminded me of the encounter, you know, a few months ago, we were in here praying, and I saw angels coming and, and dumping, like, offering baskets. It looked like our offering baskets. And one would dump, like, gold, and one would dump, like, rubies. One would dump, like, diamonds. And it was just, like, different stuff that I'm like, what is, what is going on? And I heard precious things. How I many you know Apostle Paul talked about, you know, some people will build with hay and stubble, and it will get burned up, but some people will build with precious things like gold and rubies and all these these precious stones and I'm like we are praying into it if you remember that and I'm sitting here going this is awesome but this is coming back to mind is what what do we what do we build with what does that mean what are, like we're not building stuff with diamonds no but like if you look at proverbs his his understanding and his fruitfulness and his ways are like more viable it says than rubies and diamonds so I'm sitting there going, these are the precious things. Love, peace, mercy, goodness, delight. These are the things of beauty that we build with. And then on a Monday prayer, the next day, uh, we are praying into this. I kind of like said on the microphone, and I'm praying into it. And I started seeing Northeast Ohio as a giant honeycomb. It was like those tiles were laid down, but they were like city tiles that were laid down. And they were joined together. And it was like an entire Northeast Ohio was a giant honeycomb on the ground, like a 2D. And then there was like a glass dome looking thing over top of it. And I knew it was economic honeycombs. That this region, and I was reminded of a prophecy from Rick Joyner from 1986, where there was 12 cities hand-selected. Uh, from God 
And all of them were cities except for one. He put Columbus with a question mark, and he says, I have it printed at home. I have it on my shelf because I said, this is a word for Ohio. I'm not letting it go. Um, he printed it back when Jen and I first got married because they called everyone from Ohio up. And, and the Lord told us specifically to go to this conference. And I know why, because I think that word I'm still holding on. But he said, every city named of the 12 was a city except for Ohio. It was the entire state of Ohio. So you just put Columbus because it was the capital of the question mark. But he clarified it in the printout. So this entire state, I believe, is a honeycomb. And he said, these cities, these cities will become economic centers where even if the economy would collapse, they would still prosper. And he talked about these apostolic hubs, these apostolic centers that would come and they wouldn't have influence just for 40 miles. They would 500 miles influence from each city. And I was blown away because I'm sitting there and I was talking to pastor about it. I'm like, I love the 40 mile radius word, but that's been, I think that's done. Toledo is way more than 40 miles. Yeah, Columbus, U.S. Cal, way more than 40 miles. Like, we're, we're Canada's way, 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 way more than 40 miles. <laughs> and I honor that word. I'm not, I'm not dissing the word. That 40 miles was just the inner circle to get our attention. And it was connected to a Bob Jones prophecy who prophesied at Bethel, Bethel Akron and Bethel Cleveland and Middleburg Heights. Both were like 39.6 or something like that, miles at the time. From Bob Jones released that word at both places and said, Revival will break out here about 40 miles from here. So I think to me, that's what that word was. This is a glory zone. So as I'm praying into this, I'm just like, we have to, we have to watch our language. There's still military, I'm talking to me. There's still military leaven that we've inherited in here. And I'm not talking about the Marine thing with our pastor. Hear what I'm saying. I'm talking spiritual warfare. I've been trumpeting well before I know our pastor. Like, take the land. And then I meet him and he's like, take the land. Everywhere we go, take the land. Go up to someone and tell them you're going to take their land and see how they respond to you. Some stuff Christians do is not the devil. You just piss everybody off. Can I say that? You, you're, you're, uh, I want to say something. You're a jerk. You're a, (laughs) something started with an A came to mind, but thank God for purity right now and delay. Thank you, Lord. You saved me. You, you acting like a jerk. Telling people you're going to take their stuff does not invoke cooperation or beauty. It, it stirs them up and they don't like you. Some of the problems we face is because we're stirring the stink pie up, right? I'm talking across the board. We're across the board. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, if we're going to rightly divide the word, Joshua taking the land, guess what? Joshua was a military general. So he could take the land. He was a governor. He was the president of Israel before they used the term president, and he was the general. So him taking the land isn't Pastor Joe Schmo down the road. No offense to whoever that may be. You're not taking up arms. You're not taking anyone's land. The only land, if we're going to be honest, no one in America has ever taken land, ministry-wise, what I'm saying. We, we trump, we're taking the land. We haven't taken anything. Any land that we've gotten has only come through inheritance. 
We're either joined together with resources and we purchased it and built it for the sake of the kingdom, which is awesome, or we inherited it. What did you take? Someone came up and said, God told me to give this to you. What did you take? That's military loving. Military loving. Bill Johnson dealt with this. Chris Volatin said the entire community was afraid of us. So they were, I remember years ago, they were warning people, stop saying you're taking the land. Don't use this language. We're here to serve. We're here to build up the land. People are like, we don't want them to come. They're protesting them when they were going to buy out the convention center. They're taking over the city. Right? And, and, and they're like, guys, we just need a place for our school of ministry and you guys can't afford to pay it. We can, so we're going to lease it from you. And then you can still do your concerts here. That don't sound like taking it. We're actually here to save it. But, but because the previous language, they, had a, they caused their own problems. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You, you go and tell them you're going to take it and see how much resistance. You're going to get a little, oh yeah, they'll either laugh at you or they're going to resist you. Because if they actually believe you. And so <clears throat> how much we do that at jobs? At marriages? Jen, Jen was, a, when she moved up here, she had to do customer service because they didn't have her level position. When they transferred her jobs, they wanted her as an employee. Bank of America was great. They wanted her to have the job and they paid her what she was making as a manager in Delaware but they didn't have a job, so she, but she had to be in a phone, which sucks. Some Christian woman didn't pay her bills. Okay, it's right after the housing market. I get it, I'm, you know, but she's on the phone with my wife screaming, you're cursed. God is going to judge you for this. You ruined my Christmas. God's going to curse you because of this. And she's like, oh, I know it's not a big deal, but I, I noticed she was shaking up. So I stopped there and said, babe, that's stupid. You represent a company. You're paid... For, you know what I'm saying? You're paid by to do a job. You have nothing to do with that woman. And because she's emotionally unstable, I don't care if she's trying to curse you, that thing ain't going to stick. And, I, and, and intellectually, Jen didn't believe it, but I saw she was still a little shaken up. So I looked at her and said, listen, I break that curse off right now. I did the old, I'm like, don't you even let a seed of that come to head that you're cursed because she's not cursed. She hasn't been cursed. She's not cursed. In fact, she's got a lot of raises and bonuses since then, works for a different company. Even when the company closed that office down, she's still prospering. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jesus. She's not cursed. That woman's, listen, she probably went through bad stuff. You ruined Christmas. You can't put that on me. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't put that curse on me. I ain't receiving that. Like, your unstable emotions are not going to pull me down with you. You know what I'm saying? And me as the man of the house said, don't you listen to, I tell you, do you not listen? Because I saw her, no, I know, I know. But she still had this little, like, no, no, no. Don't even let a thought come in your mind of that. Don't even let a thought. It's probably what Adam should have done with Eve, huh? We got to do what to look like God? No. So we got to get the, the remaining parts of this military love. And I'm talking, we inherited this language. We inherited, and sometimes I catch myself saying it, and I'm like, dang it, that's against what I'm getting. The revelation, I got to, Lord, get that out of me. Come on, we do it. We do it in marriages, right? We do it in different things, and, and then if we're not careful, we think the people we're actually called to serve are actually our enemies, even our kids or our spouses. 
people that we're pastoring, people that are called to pastor us. If you're not careful, you'll view us as your enemy because you think we're coming against you and trying to shake your world up. No, we're actually just trying to serve you and you won't let us. Got quiet in here. If you think any of us are your enemies, you've been tricked by the serpent just like Eve was. And if I ever get up here and think you're my enemy, I've been tricked by this serpent just like Eve was. That's not how families work. If I think she's my enemy, and there's times where we went through those rough days, especially early on, it was like, it was like oh, everything I do, you're doing this. You know what I mean? That kind of crap. And you start thinking like, you start acting like they're your enemy. It starts like competition. You know, then it gets into this enemy. No, 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 no. You're my helpmate. We're partners in this thing. And if any thought comes in our minds against the other one that we're enemies in this thing, we totally miss it. Do you see how the war mindset cannot be brought into marriage, family, or ministry? Or the community that we're trying to serve? We even inherited this thing. But mistake on the lake. Ohio sucks. Browns suck. I'm not saying their playing's great, but they won today, right, Cuddy? Praise Jesus. But we need to remove this military leaven. Another thing we need to do is remove this devouring mindset. We're not here to devour this city. We're not here to take everything over in the sense we're going to gobble it up and everything's going to be Christian. No, no I, I'm, I'm happy with the owners of Wild Eagle that spent probably millions. Come on, IHOP by Walmart that shut down, someone spent $2 million to buy that piece of land. I don't know what's going on there. But I'm just thankful that someone took $2 million of the hard-earned cash or a company did to try to go and build something in our city. I honor that. I'm not fighting against you. I don't care if I own it or not. I like to go to farm and family. You know why? Because they're a family-owned company, and I want to go so into that. I'd rather pay $2 more a bag for wood chips than go to Walmart and get it cheaper. And I shop at both. I'm just, do you see what I'm saying? There's just, I don't have to own everything. I don't need to devour. And what I learned in this bee encounter is if I would have devoured the honeycomb, how many times would I got to taste the honey? One time. Because once I devoured it, it's gone. And everything is gone and destroyed. But if I came back and said, I honor you, sir, I delight in your honey. Can I have a taste? It expanded, and guess what? It was there to taste over and over and over again. Because by the way of honor, I got the delight in the beauty of the bee's life's work. And that's the root of submission. My mother-in-law used to make fun of me. She goes, I, cause it's knock on me. It was her way of saying the word I wanted to say earlier. I know you as this jerk sometimes, especially in the early days. She's like, she's like, for you to listen to any man, let alone submit to one and actually listen to him, that's a miracle of heaven right there. And I was like, no, that's real. She goes, oh, no, I know it's real. <laughs> and she got that crazy laugh like, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love you, Mimi, for watching. No, I know. <laughs> it's a miracle. Trust me. Thank God. That's what submission's about. I lay my life down at the feet of our pastors. Why? Because I'm joining myself to them in something bigger than myself. I don't have to. I could still be saved and not submit to them. But why would I not want to submit to them? Someone that prays for me. Do you see what I'm saying? 
I've been in the room. I've heard their prayers over me when I'm in my own secret place. Not many times, but there's times where I've heard them pray. Okay, I got that. I got, I've had dreams when I didn't want to get up for 530 in prayer of our pastor's voice saying, get up, Mike, get up. And I woke up and I got my butt here at 529 and a half. <laughs> but I could do it because I learned. I would have never done this at Bethel Cleveland when I was there because I still had me and I still had ambition wanting to be the hotshot prophetic guy. What do you mean I can't be in a fire tunnel? He called pastors up. You just preached to my church, Mr. Prophetic Leader. A month ago, did you not remember my church? You came, we had 90 people jammed that little tiny building. Go sit down. I'm the most prophetic guy you got, me and two other guys. Go sit down. Oh, I was mad. You know what I learned? It wasn't about my gift. And he was wrong. And it didn't matter. But I learned a lesson about honor and submission. It wasn't my house. My gift didn't justify. Do you see what I'm saying? So I had to get processed through this. But why would I not want to submit my life to someone that's breathing a different air, first off? Second of all, to the family that they're joined with. That's what submission's about. That's what joining's about, is I get to be a part of a bigger story now. There's people that, that I know that are still in the system, and, man, they get to go here, and they're joining themselves with here, and they're still trying to, like, go and make their name out. And they're good people. I don't have to do any of that. Hey, why don't you come with me? Great. Now, riding with Pastor, because he asked me to come, I've got to prophesy to, like, four different states this year within the last year, year and a half. My calls actually get unraveled without me taking a step of effort. You know how awesome that is? Because you don't, you guys may not know what it's like to preach your guts out to a crowd that don't want it or they go like that and then they're the same the next time. I know what it's like. It wears you out. Just preaching it, then later that emotion. But that's not how we build. We build because I take my life's work. And I see their life's work. And it's not complete yet, but let me lay my honeycomb next to yours. Right? This is why Dale moved up from Arkansas. Dale and Shauna. You didn't, you didn't come up here just to attend good church services. You could have had that. You probably already had that down there. You came up, you take your tile, and you now put your honeycomb next to theirs. And to all of us that already joined, like Mama and the Heavers, all that, and the same thing was Zach and Hannah. You come up and say, there's something special about here that I want to join my honeycomb to you. You take your honeycomb. Next thing you know, a colony is beginning to form in a city. And it's by the way of beauty. Do you know what the word beauty means in Hebrew? Psalms 27.4, we sing it tonight, right? One thing I desire, one thing after I'll seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and what? Behold his beauty. Brian Simmons has a footnote in the Passions, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, my God. So good. He says this, the meaning of the Hebrew word for beauty is not easily conveyed by one English word. It could also be translated sweetness. That sounds an awful like honey to me. Now it's starting to make sense while I had this sense of beauty while encountering the honey. It can be translated pleasantness, friendliness, graciousness, 
goodness, loveliness, splendor. Somebody say glory. Splendor is glory. Or listen to this, you ready? Delightfulness. Beauty can be translated delightfulness. Sounds a lot like Isaiah 62. This is how we build Northgate. With sweetness, pleasantness, friendliness, graciousness, goodness, loveliness, splendor, and delightfulness. And we get to join one to another as we start to see a region get joined. You know what I loved about Marcus? We went to that thing like last week or two weeks ago. There's people from all over the region, different cities in, in this region and other states coming together and everyone there was hungry to worship. And I'm like, my God, we didn't have to do anything. We just show up in the room and there's way too many people for this tiny room. And it was glorious. It was glorious. And I'm starting to see honeycombs. And there's pastors in there that didn't like our pastor. That's what's even great is, you know what I mean? Imagine coming over to the guy you preach against showing up there with his crew. And they step in the room and it goes to a whole new level. Guess what? That person's going to have to face the truth of like, we're coming together. You're not going to be a part of it. That's not being mean to that person. I'm just saying, why? You can't join together when there's contempt in your heart. This is how the region gets transformed is through beauty. So builder sons, is there, are there any builder sons or daughters in the room? Let's take a trip together to Exodus 35. I'm going to teach you a little bit. Is that okay? Listen, I know American attention spans are short. Please listen to what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to go over some scriptures that could be a little bit more than what you want. Please keep your focus and don't start looking around the room. I'm not feeling that now. I just know what it is. When you hear these scriptures, see where you fit into this thing, okay? I say that as a preventative measure. Love you. Bless you and your family. Let's go to verse 4. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whatever's, whoever is of a willing heart, let him Bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, bronze, and the list goes on. So we're not going to cover that because it, it's a long list, okay? Fabrics, materials, all these different things. So let's now go down to verse 10. We're going to skip down to verse 10. All who are gifted artisans among you shall, shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle... It's tent, it's covering, it's clasp, it's boards, it's bars, it's pillars, it's sockets. Stay right there. They were building a, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. And a call goes out. All those who have a willing heart, come, bring your gold, your silver, your material of purple, your dyes, your clasps. They literally, guys, brought their earrings and jewelry because what they had, they didn't, count anything is like their own possession and they said the lord is compelling us remember it said those of a willing heart and this is not an offering speech but it'd probably be a pretty good one and they took how many of you are tired of hearing like i gave my last meal to the prophet and then ate all my things are filled up i grew up in a prosperity so i won't ever use that i promise you on a tuesday night because of that even though it's a completely legitimate scripture but they took everything 
They took anything that was needed that they had possession of and took responsibility and say, this is my house to build. They didn't own the tabernacle. They were building a tent of meeting. <clears throat> Not only was it for the resources, guess what else they used? Their talents, their gifts, their experience, their skill set. If you go through all these five chapters from Exodus 35 to 40, you'll see multiple times it talks about God gave them his spirit filled with wisdom for artisan works and engraving to work with gold, all these different things. Have you ever asked yourself, Armin, why is God giving me this musical talent? Nietzsche, Nietzsche can do just about anything. Supernatural handyman. Nietzsche works in his studio, though. What does he do? He comes here and sets our sound up. What is he doing? He's bringing his experience, his skill sets, his talents. Some of you come with education. You're bringing that. Some of you come with a labor. You're actually a construction worker, a landscaper, and you're bringing that to the table. Some of you, like me, don't have any of those skills, but you know what you do? I have a passion for prayer. So guess how I'm helping build the tent of meeting? Through prayers and through generosity. I remember hearing this story that I used to hate, but I actually love it now. Because I just heard it in the old preaching days all the time. Too. You know how it is. Like, it's like the definition of insanity. Learn the same thing. You hear every preacher steals it once one guy says it. That's popular, you know. But this thing is very true. There's a, there's a parable that people used to say all the time. And they would say, I went on a job site and there's three bricklayers. I mean, you've heard this. You've probably heard this tale, right? And the guy's like, I went up to the, and every preacher acts like it was actually them. I went up to the first bricklayer and I said, what are you doing? I'm laying bricks. Went up to the second bricklayer and said, what are you doing? I'm building a wall. I went up to the third bricklayer and said, what are you building? He said, I'm building a cathedral for the most high God. What were those bricklayers doing? All the same thing. They all had different perspectives. One had a brick by bit brick perspective. One said, oh, I only have a few bricks now, but I'm actually building a wall. They had their slice of the job. But the last guy's like, no, I see the big picture. It's a cathedral. People are going to come and find him. When they're suicidal, they're going to come in here, and they're going to say, oh, there's something about this piece that when I walk in that building, it sets me free. Come on. It's something about when David plays that harp, the torment just disappears. Come on. Can you feel that? Let's go down to verse 20 and 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred. Everyone's not going to show up. But the ones whose hearts are stirred, they're going to come. And everyone whose spirit was willing, they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all of its service and for the holy garments. I want to I kick the tie thing in the teeth. I don't care if it's law. If it was Abraham, I can give a you-know-what where it came from. You want to know why? And I, I mean that in totally respect. Because I come from the nonprofit world, my career, okay? Before I started working from the church, I'm still there part-time. But I, like to me, it's like if I see a store that I like, I went to this thing at Cooper's Rock, dinky little gift shop. I just bought a dumb magnet and some little cookie thing for Jen. Why? I had to buy something to support the cause. 
take all the blessings out of it. Take the commandments, the scriptures, the fear of the curse, whatever it is that motivates you to give. And I'm talking beyond Northgate because some people actually think you get cursed if you don't tithe. That's the dumbest thing on the planet. You obviously don't know the new covenant because at the cross, it stops. So you'll never hear that come out of my mouth. You never hear it here. I don't even believe in that no more. If you're actually in Christ, you're not cursed because there's a cross over top of you that he took it on. You can enter blessings, but you're not cursed. I know it's probably a thousand preachers if they hear this. You know why all the, the arguments about theological debates of tithing is stupid to me? Do I love this house? Do I love it when I come in here and I see kids like Cuddy after hours for an hour praying at the altar? Give me one reason why I would not want to throw my money to that. Forget everything else. And there's blessings. I believe in all that stuff. That's all I need to know. Are people's lives getting changed? Do I feel the presence of God? Do people like Jeff Allen say, when you get in the building, it's different. That's what I'm sowing into. That's why I give. I'm grateful for the blessing that he'll pour out a blessing that can't contain and he'll devour, you know, all this stuff, right? But I give because of love. I give because God's put me in a family that I prayed for for years. God put me part of a praying church that we can come before service and pray. That's what I prayed for, and I'm living my dream. I'm living that answer prayer right now. Why the heck would I want to pour my time, energy, money, and resources, attitude, and affection toward that? Why not? Why would I not? Do you get what I'm saying? This is nothing to do with taking up an offer. We're not going to put the bucket up and shake it and try to get a nickel out at you. You come willingly. You willingly gave what you gave. Okay? And we're givers here. But do you hear what I'm saying? We are builders, sons. Don't put that on the kingdom builders. We're builders, sons. And if it's prayer by prayer, if it's nail by nail, if it's brick by brick, if it's word by word in a journal, we're building together. And we're building a tabernacle. Whew. Verse 20, let's go to verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all of its service and for the holy garments. Keep going. They came, both men and women. Actually, I'm going to skip this down. Go to 36. I'm sorry. There's, so, there's literally five chapters. Just thank God I'm not going to read them all to you. <laughs> Exodus 36, starting in verse 1. And uh, every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of what? The sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called them and every gifted artisan whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing him the free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each one from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring too much. 
Much more than, than we need for the service of the work which the Lord have commanded us to. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary and the people were restrained from bringing. For the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. They called for the materials. They called for your talent. Why? It's because you're going to get cursed if you don't? No. It's because, hey, we're building a cathedral of the Most High. Hey, we're building a tent of meeting that once we have it set up and your kids, and I'm like, I know your kids, your kid's only four, and he's not in school and he can't go to Legacy Academy yet. But would you want to partner with seeing these kids who are? Your future kids, coaches, and leaders, and pre pastors, and apostles, and prophets sitting right here. Can you, can you give your time, energy, attitude, resources, and affection into them? And then when Sam gets 12 years old and he enters Legacy Academy, it's not just you, Mama T, and Pastor Jay, and Evers, and Stephanie. It's not just us. It's the neck gets wider. Instead, it's Apostle Trent. It's Evangelist T-Bone. It's Songbird Sissy. Come on, it's Skylar and Alexis and Chloe praying, paving the way for my son. I could look at it even selfishly like that, but even if it never happened for my son, I would still do it here. Why? Because I'm joining my honeycomb to something bigger than me. And I'm telling you what I saw Wednesday with these 11 kids, the angel I saw, the fear of the Lord we felt in the room, the holiness. I don't even know if they understood it. And I don't even know if we did, but all I know is all the adults in the room said, this is a holy moment. We looked at each other like, and I was almost like, I thought it was awesome. We're starting Legacy Academy, 100% on board. Love it, great, celebrate it. But I never even thought how holy it was until the first day. This was a holy moment. And we're joining our honeycombs together so they can come in this sweet spot and be raised up and never know anything different than what happens when they join. They take their honeycomb and people like Toby, I don't want to watch a movie. I want to worship all night. You know what he's saying? I want to be part of something bigger than me. I want to be part of a tenant meeting that's going to affect millions. He didn't say that in words, but that's what he's producing with that devotion. Like when you come down and you pray with him, you're the cathedral bricklayer. I'm not laying bricks. I'm not coming just, I don't come down here just to pray. Are you kidding me? I'm not coming down here to build a prayer wall. So some, that was what the old mindset was back in the gym. Let's wall, let's, let's pray so bad stuff don't happen, everyone. The whole world goes to crap. No, 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 no. Let's pray because we're building a tent of meeting. And then when, when the, the, the people come from the school that are ready to kill themselves come, the cutters that come to youth group, this, these are things that have happened. The, the cutters come from youth group and secretly tells people, I quit cutting since I came to youth group. And you see their countenance shift. Is there anything else you'd rather give your money to? Is there anything else you'd rather give your time and resources and your attitude 
and your affection to. We are builder sons. We can't put their response. They're the main head. They're the tip of the tip of the spear. But we can't put that pressure on them. We need to rise up like Aaron and hers and hold up their hands. Say, even in moments where you feel tired, it's okay. I'm still going to hold your hand up. And I don't care if you screw it up and it was 100% your fault. I don't care. I know where you're headed and I see who you really are. And I'm going to stand right beside you. I'm not holding your humanity against you. And I'm going to hold up your hand because I know they don't. Listen, people hear our Papa and they hear the intensity of how he preaches and, and they're expecting something bad. That's not, I've been in some of your counseling sessions. You know, you've seen me. That's not who that man is. He's merciful. And sometimes I have to check my heart because I'm like, Man, I would have kicked that dude square in the stomach, stomach region. <laughs> I would have flipped that table over. <laughs> if I was a little younger and skinnier, I might have taken a swing if I wasn't too slow and a fat marshmallow right now. Like, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm going years back. If you know some of the stuff we dealt with, you'd want to do the same to some of those folks. No one in this room, of course. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's not who that man is. In the outside world, that man, it, they don't. No, there's beauty in that man. There's mercy and there's graciousness. I have no, I have no nothing. What do I pull back from that? What is there to pull back? Because he provoked me during preaching. No, I'm joining my honeycomb to his. As we join our honeycombs together, beauty is emanating from the house. Now let's go down to Exodus 40 because I want you to see what happens when people join together and they just say, I'm doing this out of a willing heart. So I mean about, you know how the tithe actually originated besides the Abraham story? You know what it's for? You know why it was law? Because there was one twelfth of the country that was called priest and they weren't allowed to work. They had a minister on behalf of the saints of the entire nation to Yahweh. And guess what? The tithe paid their bills. The, the offerings was actually like meat. They, they would cut lamb up and say, here, you know what they're saying? Here, there's food for you. There was grain offerings, right? There was wine offerings. Why? So they could eat and drink and have, take care of their families. I've heard people in the past like, yeah, those preachers left high on a hog. They should, but they're not. <laughs> Let's show the TV guy. That money is there to support the work of the ministry and those people. That's how it started. I don't know why I'm hitting that because we never talk about that. The Levites provided food for their families through the tithe. That was the intent of the law of Moses. So even that's not bad. Amen. All right. Go back. I talk myself out of place here. Verse 32. Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting. And when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he raised up the court and all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Let's stay right there. I don't want them to see it. Some translations refer to this as the tent of meeting. It's the tabernacle. It's interchangeable. What are we establishing here? You hear pastors say all the time, 
You don't know who's going to walk to that door. You're setting up a tent of meeting. A sacred, holy ground that people have nowhere to turn to when they come here. They're going to step in the atmosphere and it changes in a moment. Why? Because your prayers. Go to a church and pray. You might feel a little peace when you walk in there. Go to a church that go to a church that doesn't pray. You may feel, you know, maybe not. It may smell like musty mothballs. Like your grandma's closet. So I have them smell like. But you go in a place where the saints have been praying. I don't care how old that church is. You walk in that building. I walked into a hotel banquet hall, probably not very holy of the things that may have happened in that banquet hall. But Jason Upton happened to be ministering that night, and Jen and I found out when we ran down to this hotel thing they had. And we're walking through, and there's all kinds of different events going on. We walked through this banquet hall. As soon as you, it felt like air conditioning. The peace was so profound. As soon as you walked in, it was like, and I'm like, man, if anyone don't know their love, then can't get delivered here. I feel like I'm in heaven. And that dude didn't sing a song. He just hummed like this and said, sing over people. I'm going to build you a garden. That's where that song came from. In the dry and desert land. For two hours, that's all he said. He would pause and just, hmm, you know how Jason does. And I saw people sitting in the seats like this. Like, like I saw at the rave days when they were in ecstasy. And they were caught up in the ecstasy of God. That's what people feel when they come here. That's what Justin McCoon felt when he came to the glory barn and pastor began to speak. He felt something begin to move. Something was different. So Moses finished the work. Northgate, are you ready to finish the work? Every single piece of this ten of me, I said in pre-service prayer, was so significant. Every single like clip that held the curtain on was counted. Go make this many clips. Make it of this material. Make it this long. Make it look like this. Take purple material and put here. Put red material here. Get the brass and get the gold and take this spot. Every single detail that we talk about literally is for the building. I don't see it anywhere else in scripture of detailed blueprints of how to build every single piece of everything except for the building of the tabernacle or the temple. Why? It's not, is it because God didn't want to give blueprints for everything else we, that the build, even the ark, even Noah's ark, it only had to make it this long, make it this long, make it this wood. Pretty simple. This was every color, every detail, every knob, the flowers that they were supposed to look like, every single thing. Why? Because I think there was something a little more special and they had a little more weight about the place that God was going to meet face to face with men. <sighs> Northgate, are we building the tent of meeting? Are you ready? For our Moses to finish the work? Whew. Will you lay your life down to see the work finished? Will you lay your time down? We lay your prayers down? We lay your resources? Will you re- relay those times with your family? Listen, because we get it back every time. This, this year is the first time I actually took time off work to go to camp. At least my other job, right? And took vacation time. Um, and I, I gave up a vacation. We have a beach trip planned every year in Ocean City or Fenwick Island, Delaware. We go to. I gave that up. My wife got to enjoy it. I was, but I was, I was happy about it. But a part of me, it, you know, when I'm home, I'm like, 
because it's, to me, the, the beach is not Myrtle and it's not Florida, but it's not about the beach. It's about family. And then they have this screened in porch by this lagoon. And just like 604 and Malibu Point, that place has become a place of devotion for me. So when they all go down and their craziness and carts and they take all the kids with them, I sit in that little screen porch and look at the lagoon and that's become a sacred holy ground for me and the Lord. And I was on there, I was blowing up Facebook because I couldn't stop. I had to get it out of me. I was getting revelation. I was like, all right, just type it out there just to get it off my chest. I don't have to think about it more. But I gave that up for camp. Not my kid. I'm not trying to tote like me being sacrificial. That's not what I'm saying. But here's, here's the moral of the story. I was like, Lord, I would have really loved to go down there and just spend that time with you down there. I didn't care less about the beach down there. It sucks. The water's cold. It about kills you. Rip currents everywhere. But I take a walk usually once a trip, don't I? I'll take a walk either during the day or at night, and I'll put my headphones. And I just worship, and I look at the beauty of the ocean, and I just glorify God and just get close, or I sit in that porch. And I just, I remember driving just saying, God, it'd be really nice if I could go there this year. I know I complained about it in years past because it's not Malibu Point. Try to get the whole vacation switched with that other side of the family <laughs> to do something nicer. But I really like that place. That's the place where you and I meet. Guess what? We get a call from Mimi. There was a cancellation. I just booked it another week. Do you want to come down? He gave me back what I sewed up for the youth. Hear the moral of the story, what I'm trying to tell you. I just said, I really missed that time with you. And he's like, okay, they're not coming now. Guess what? You can come. Everything you give up comes back to you one way or the other. Everything. What are you afraid of? Every dollar you give up, it gets sewed. Listen, I sewed, let's just say, well, I won't say anything. Let's just say tens of thousands of dollars for several years. And we never sit there and go, God, where's our money at? We didn't get our big prosperity word of faith thing come back at us until until adoption. And you, some of you gave thousands. Some of you gave hundreds multiple times. What were you doing? You're joining your honeycomb to us, to our family, not just us, the whole thing. Do you see what I'm saying? And then we received financially what we've sowed into for years. And I didn't need it before, but I needed it that moment, and God came through. So we can't be afraid of anything. Do you want to know what happens when you finish the work? Let's go to the next one. And then the cloud covered the tabernacle. The tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses wasn't even able to enter the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord Filled the tabernacle. Northgate, are you ready to finish the work? Because when we, I believe when the builder's sons and daughters are actually 100% in and not just say that during the church service, but we actually, our hearts, you know how we know we're not complaining? Another prayer meeting that shows you you're not there yet. You're not ready to finish the work. I got to do what? But I already gave an offering. But I was just down there last night. Why do I have to go back again tonight? Oh, come on. No one's ever had that thought in here? Y'all looking down, look at your phones. Or some of you squirming. None of you ever had that thought? 
That's just proof there's still a little bit of you you're holding back. You know when God asks people to give it all? Can I be honest with you? There's two things. The rich young ruler, when he was so attached to it, he wasn't willing to let it go. And the second thing is, when you're afraid, he won't provide. Because when he sent the 12 out, he said, don't take anything with you, wallet, purse, cloak, anything. You just go out there and go. Later, right before he goes across, guess what he said? He said, do you remember when I sent you and told you not to take anything? And he go, they go, yeah. He told them why. He goes, did you lack anything? They said, no, we didn't. We had food. We had clothes. It's like the father provided everything, didn't he? Yeah. Now I'm telling you this, and he took them to the next phase. The only reason why they had to go on that mission trip with no money is because they had to be convinced the guy was going to provide for them. And I'm convinced he would have sent them with an abundance if they would actually believe he would have been good enough to give it to them. So the two times that God will ask for everything is when you're, you won't let it, don't want to let it go like the rich young ruler, or you're not convinced he'll take care of you. And there's probably a little bit in all of us in that. Just a little bit we're hanging on to. See what I'm saying? When the house was finished, when the tent of meeting was finished, the glory filled the temple. How many are ready to experience the glory? How do we build this thing? It's not through grumbling. It's through beauty. What's beauty? Celebrating each one's life work. When you hear Armin, and there's something about, come on, these keys. When I hear Dale cry out in worship or prayer, when I see Beth hunched over crying or Bill with his hands up weeping down my face, something melts inside of me and says, that's the beauty. There's something sweet. There's something delightful in that. There's something delightful. When you enter the place of delight, you're entering the honeycomb. You're entering the place of beauty. And when we put that together, when we put our beauty together, it's nothing to do with vanity. It's nothing to do with how your hairs did. Any of that stuff has everything to do with the sweetfulness and you and that secret place, that special place with your hands up and you're just feeling his delight over you. That's how we build Northgate. She's been singing it for years. All I had to do is worship. All I had to do is stand still. Where does that leave us? Where do we go from here? Are you ready to build this thing? Where do we go from here? It's easy. You've heard it a thousand times. One thing I've desired, one thing I will seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, and what? Behold his beauty. Behold his sweetness, his pleasantness, his kindness, his friendship, his splendor, his goodness, and his delightfulness. When you behold his beauty, you become his beauty. And when you become the sweetness of the Lord, people will begin to taste and see he is good through you. Then you can be just like Jesus. You ready? Where he stands in front of the crowd, he says, eat me. Come drink my blood. What? Come eat my flesh. Come taste and see. 
know what that looks like now? Come to my church. Come to my house. Let's have dinner. Call me. Taste and see. Hey, you got a minute? Let's talk. To behold his beauty means to become his beauty. We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being what? Transfigured into the same image. To behold his beauty is to become his beauty. Northgate, we're not just building a tent of meeting, we're building a people. And every time you come and pray with these kids, every time you pray for our pastor, you're building, you're building up the tent of meeting. Because what's in the tent of meeting? He, we're his tent now. As we come together, and the more we come together, and the more, and the more unity we get, that city out there will taste his sweetness. We could tell them we're going to take their land, and they'll keep resisting us. But when you just say, oh, you cursed me, you wanted to give me this, you want to give me fire, whatever, you're coming after us, you're calling us a cult, guess what? We respond in sweetness and graciousness. Some of them are going to be like, man, I'm so sorry. How do we know? Because it's already happened. Some of you have done it in this room, and it's okay. Northgate, how do we do this? It's time to show up for the walk. Have you heard this before? It's time to behold his beauty. It's time to make him our dearest friend again. When you behold, you become. Are you ready to build this ton of meeting? Don't complain about the tent. You may not be up here. But God, I said it in pre-service prayer. He had every hook of the curtain numbered. He knew what it was made of. He commanded the shape and size of it. How much more does he know you and this family together? Come on, think about your shower curtain. Did you ever break one of those things or knock it off? You Sometimes I've been so lazy, I don't even like put it back on there. I don't care. There's like 500 other hooks up there to keep, hold the curtain up. Jen's like, yeah. I just want to see her try to get it on a stool and try to try to jump and get it up there. The most seemingly significant part of my shower is what holds something up to protect the rest of the, the, the bathroom from getting flooded. It seems insignificant, just a little hook that holds the curtain on, but that keeps the rugs from getting damaged, that keeps the tile and the carpet, it keeps everything getting flooded. So that little ring is a very significant role, even though I don't give it any attention to it unless it gets stuck or jammed. Northgate, each one is significant. I don't care if you're the altar of incense that people come up to to pray over, to go to heaven, or you're the tabernacle of God itself. Every single thread in that place is significant, and it's known by name and number. How much more are you? is a living, organic dwelling place of God most high. How much more are you significant to him? Are you ready to join your honeycomb to this family like never before? Gratitude's a powerful thing. Don't let a word 
of complaining come out of our mouths again. This isn't like correction. This is just saying, listen, through all the inconvenience and all the sacrifice and all the giving and all the time and all these different things, is it not worth it? Worship, I saw two women weeping, and it was beautiful. So thank you for being open. Thank you for being open. And I said to myself, I was like, Lord, if this, if no one else connected tonight, these two connected, this whole service would have been worth it. Northgate, you know how easy this is? You make him your friend. Every, the last few nights of youth, every time they sing, pour my oil out, there's a part that says, my dearest friend, I can't, something inside of me cries out screaming for more of him. It don't care. It don't matter how close. When she says, my dearest friend, there's something on the inside of me that begins to awaken again. And I'm like, I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough of you. And I'm telling you, when I'm in that place, the last thing in my mind is how much I gave, how much time I had to spend here. I ain't worried about how early I had to come in, how late I had to stay last time. Like, there's nothing in the world that matters except for him. And when we come in agreement with that without any resistance in us, because listen, it's easy to do that in that moment, and then you get tired. You're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll skip this prayer meeting. What if I just slept in this Friday? Yeah? No? Only like two of us? But you remind yourself, I'm not laying a brick. I'm not building a prayer wall that someone else could pray in my place. I'm helping to build a cathedral that's going to house the living God. And I'm joining a family, and I'm seeing a regional where economic honeycomb at some point, I could see it, and there's no matter what Joe Biden does, and no matter how dumb a decision he makes, because he seems to make a lot of them, and everything in the whole world goes to hell, and the mark of the beast comes, guess what? We're going to have a region full of honey and prosperity, and people are going to come like, we don't need your mark. we got our own currency. It's called faith. How are your crops growing? Because he blessed our land. Well, why would he do that? Because we turned from our wicked ways, and we went and put our face toward him and prayed. We actually lived it instead of yelling in a church service. We forsook our evil ways. We set our face toward him. And he what? Healed our land. Northgate, are you ready for this? Are you ready to finish the work? I'm convinced the last work in us is the grumbler. Psalms 1, apostle said it since the beginning. Blessed are those who what? Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Some translations say mocker. If anything in you is still saying, yeah, right. <laughs> or if part of you is still going, dang it, why do we have to do this again? Guess what seat you're in? And if you were to listen to Brad Custer, he said this one time. But guess what? For those who go past that realm, I could take all that junk in my heart and get past to see that scornful mocker. Guess what happens? I'll be planted like a tree whose leaf never withers. Come on, if you're struggling in this room, maybe it's time to check your language. I don't say this to beat you up. I'm saying, what are you complaining about? 
He's been, pastor's been hammering this. What are you complaining about? That our kids are in revival? Well, no, brother, they, they get distracted. Yeah, they're freaking teenagers. You know what I did at their age? It'd be a radar movie, I'll tell you that. Maybe a little worse. I get distracted. They're going to get distracted. They're freaking 14 and 15. I'm not holding their humanity against them. But I have Ryland come up to me and say that I had this dream. That every resource I needed was in this box for my, everything I've been dreaming about. And that box is wide open. And in the dream, I woke up and there it was at the foot of my bed. You know what it means? Everything we need for this plaza, everything we need for the music store, everything we need for every dream in this building's already at our feet. We just need to be awakened. In a dream, she woke up. We just need another dimension. I've heard preachers say, we, we awake, then what? We get awakened, then what? What's else, what's else add to there? Brother, you lost your passion. Because if you had your passion, you would never say awakening, then what? Because every time I've been awakened, I say, I need to be awakened to more of him. If your awakening is church services and traveling across the nation, that's going to get old real quick, especially when you get your in your 40s. And your legs start to swell up a little bit in the car. Your back and neck start to go like this all the time. You're walking in and praise Jesus. I'm closing up. Do you hear what I'm saying? Stay on your feet. Armin, just real quick, go to the keys. I want. I prayed this earlier, but I'm I'm praying it again because I need every single person in this room to realize how significant they are. <sighs> Brian Hunt, I don't care if you're a ring on the curtain. You're numbered and significant by the Lord. Amanda, I don't care if you're a pole in the ground or a sheet on the wall. I don't care if you're handled on the altar of incense. You've been significantly placed here. And you have significant value. Just like you prayed over your brother that time. I pray those prayers of boomerang right back to yourself. I've seen when I first got saved that your prayers move mountains. That it would cause thunder to be released and lightning in the heavens. You are significant. I don't care if you're up here. Come on, there's a hug from Papa and Mike Savage that's not like many hugs. There's a hug from a Joey Mitchell that's not like all other hugs. There's something about when they hug you, it's just a little bit different. I don't care what you do in a microphone. Some people are called. Sissy's called to that, and it's amazing. Talani's called to that, and it's amazing. Not everybody is. It doesn't mean you're not significant. Doesn't mean you're not significant. Someone has to hang on the pole and say, we're creating a space here and I'm not letting anything come in. Maybe that's you, Mike. There ain't nothing coming in here destroying this place because I'm hanging on this pole and I ain't letting anything in here to come against what I see in this house. That's what you do at two o'clock when you come in to pray. Doesn't matter if sometimes you text and you're the only one here. I Trust me, I've been there a lot. 
Sometimes I get a handful and I'm like, revival just happened in my own life. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to pray alone tonight. <sighs> Catherine, when you lay here at the altar, you're like Moses erecting that pole and saying, give me this other pole. Somebody get the hook between us. Let's get the cables going. <sighs> We're building a tent of meeting. <sighs> and Bill, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But look at my son and daughter anyways. And they ain't here yet. But Big Cuddy and Maddie, they'll be here. They're just taking their time. I saw them at Walmart the other day. I'm like, what's up, bro? So, oh, not much. And I'm like laughing because I don't get weird in those situations. I don't care if you go to church with me. Why? Because someone has to, someone has to be the sweetness and delightfulness. I'm going to be nice and kind to everyone I see. And at some point, they're going to be like, you know what? After everything I said about that man, I don't know if they probably ever said anything to me. So I'm, I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to think, oh. Come on, John. Your family's significant. You might be quiet. It's okay. So are those curtains. So are those hooks that are holding everything together. Lisa? Every time I hear you talk in these small groups, I delight in the Lord and I'm blown away of how much of a time I have spending time with you two. You could ask my wife. I'm like, dude, Lisa's amazing. Every time we have a conversation, I'm blown away about how much I enjoy the time with them. Come on, just close your eyes. anyone in this room is still dealing with that feeling of significant, we just lift your hands. You still struggle. I have all these questions. I have all these questions. Come on, just slip your hand up. If there's anyone in the room, I don't know. I don't know. A part of me still holding back taking my honeycomb and joining it to everybody else's. Come on, I, I tell you where you're going to find your confidence. It's on the walk. You know where you're going to get the clear mind to make the right decision? It's on the walk. It's beholding his beauty. So I just speak over you tonight. Come on, I'm just doing this. Lift up your hands. I speak over it to you tonight. I, I declare the beauty of the Lord. I pray that you would be baptized. You would be immersed in the beauty of Jesus. You would be immersed in the sweetness, in the pleasantness, in the friendliness, in the graciousness, goodness, loveliness, splendor, and delightfulness of the Lord. thank you Northgate for every dollar that you've ever given. I thank you for every prayer that each one of you prayed. I pray every sound from the harmonica Dakota or every string that you ever played mourn and every key that you ever hit. You know what it's going to cause? It's going to cause a place of glory. And just when you think it's all over Armin, you know what happens? You get another word that takes it to another level where the keys will begin to reveal themselves to you and saying hey do you know why I like to play with this other key? Because watch what we could do together. 
put me next to this key and see what happens. Hit me already at the same time as this other note and let me, let me exude my beauty in the earth. Come on, Ryland. Every note on the cello, let him begin to speak. Put me next to this one and let a new chord of heaven come as you begin to release the sound over an entire school and generations. We don't know what the end will be of your cello. We don't know where it will end up. But we know this. His beauty is being revealed now and it will be from glory to glory through you. I feel a recommitment tonight. I'm serious. I feel happy, but I feel recommitment tonight. Northgate, will you recommit yourself without grumbling and complaining to take your life's work and lay it down at the feet of Malia, at the feet of Mike Linden, at the feet of the Lovejoy family and the Cutrights and the Yeltons. Will you join your tile with the poets? <coughs> Will you allow your life to be a curtain hung up on a pole like his was so others could find him? Are you ready? Free of heart. It was a willing, a free will offering that they gave their time, energy, resources, attitude, and affection. Come on, lift your hands over the place. Just close your eyes. Only you can make that commitment. Lord, don't ever let a single complaint come out of my mouth about anything that you've called me to do. I don't want to complain about a pothole on that 17-hour drive to Mobile. Why? Because the glory is always well beyond the inconvenience of the travel. The loss of sleep Friday morning is always worth when I get to come in and hear Dale's voice. I hear Pop's voice and I hear baby crying down for those that are lost. When I come in this room on a sunny day, but I hear Mama Jay's voice like opera rolling through the atmosphere and I feel the insides of me vibrating as she's releasing her sound that doesn't sound like anyone else's. But it's beautiful and it's unique. I feel healing in the room. You're significant, Northgate. You are significant. Cuddy, you're significant. I keep going back to you, Ryland. You're significant. I want to remind you, Johnny B, you're significant. Maddie, you're significant. Your whole family's significant. Bridget, you're significant. You may not believe it yet, but you're significant. So is your family. Paige, you're all going to come. At some point, they're going to remember the sweetness. And they're going to say, can I come home? And I know our pop and our mom, they're going to say, yes, come on. Come on. We've been waiting for this moment. We're going to celebrate together. Come on. Lord, I pray if every time we'd be like Balaam, but the good side, we would go to curse something, we go to complain, you would turn around to to a word of praise and a word of celebration over that which we were getting ready to complain about. 
Northgate, will you begin to build with beauty? I'm telling you, if we come in this thing, BB, with a spirit of gratitude, and, and not just in moments, I'm talking, we wake up and we're excited to get to church. We're excited to get to prayer meeting. We're just, we're going to do such sweetness. Dude, he's going to be so high and lifted up. They're going to run here. They're going to run here. I think our pastor's up in Edmonton because he's seen a foretaste of where we're headed. He's seeing a foretaste. Everything's working together like a weld oil machine. Tons of people are involved. There's steam ministry. I'm not saying we're them and them are us. I'm just saying that's our future. <sighs> you mean I could come in and I have to preach and it's okay? Yes, because the Lord's already been working. People are getting healed without them touching. Northgate, do you recommit yourself to the work to see the tent of meeting finished in our city? so that the glory of the Lord can rest upon it. You thought I played house of God early in prayer for just a pointless reason. No, it said, come and fill this house with glory. Come and fill, come rest your head on us. I pray that right now, God. Come and rest your head. Come and fill this finished house with your glory. Apostles said in April, the structure is finally in place. The structure is finally in place. So I recommit my commitment tonight, God. I renew my vows to a mother and a father, come on, to a family, to a city, to a region, to a nation. I will give up my life for this. I'm giving up my life for this. And I'll keep doing it to the very end. Why? Because this thing's so much bigger than me. And I'm going to see the legacy of this for 400 years. I'll be in heaven. We'll be in heaven, Cuddy, laughing at great-grandkids going. And we have the revelation that your night over here sparked this whole thing. And you won't be like, yeah, I was the man. We're going we're gonna to weep together in heaven and thank God. He's finishing the work and it's carrying on. Like St. Patrick's work went on through spiritual songs for 280 years. He never took Ireland, but his sons over 280 years Christianized an entire tribal people that changed the course of history. How much of that is in this room? Just one more time, lift your hands. Father, as we end tonight, I just give thanks. I give thanks for Ryland's word that the box is unlocked. And Lord, we just ask you to pick up those boxes and you just smash them. You just smash them. What I'm praying is there ain't one part of a heart that's cut off from what you promised about us, from what you said, from how you feel about us. And Lord, and I pray for the ladies of the family, God, that unlock the box will come back to the surface. If I'm not mistaken, there's a word. And I just agree with the apostolic word out there. There's still work for unlock the box. So I say, rise up, Sarah Beth. Rise up, Mama Tina. Rise up, Destiny. Rise up, Jesse. Your time to ride has come. Your time to ride has come. Come on, I, I ask in the next year, Father. The next year, over the next year, we'll see unlock the box and we'll see the sisters come together. Even greater than a brother's half. I'm not speaking competition. I'm speaking love and being joined and saying, man, there may have been some things. I don't know, but I'm laying my honeycomb next to yours. I'm laying my honeycomb next to
to the Castos and the Lemleys and the Browns. And it's going to form a net. The honeycomb's going to form a net that more women are going to come into that thing and stories are going to be told and more lives are going to be unlocked. And it's not going to become a model and a system. It's going to be pure, pure tenderness and hope. It won't be a method. It'll be a get-together, and we have no idea what this thing's going to look like. All we know is he's going to bring out the beauty in each one of us. I'm telling you, I've been seeing it from the testimony of Megan England. People in their, women in their senior years are going to get the breakthrough they've been praying about for decades. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.